With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What's up, Gator Nation? Welcome into the latest Gators Online show. Zach Albaverde and Nick Del Tor here, and we've got signing day to discuss we've got some staff news to discuss and some position changes for the gators in 2024 obviously it was a uh, busy day on wednesday in gainesville because kendall jenner was in town just kidding <laughs> just kidding it was a uh, signing day although it's pretty much uneventful in february uh but we do get to see the gators uh, put a bowl on their 2024 class although they still could add to it in the spring portal period. But we'll get into all that on today's episode. Nick, how are you doing, my friend? Doing well, doing well. Just uh, gearing up for baseball. We're eight days out, uh, so it'll keep me busy. And we are one month creeping up on us, Zach. Uh, one month, less than a month now, away from the start of spring football. Yeah, we were at our press conference yesterday and it dawned on both of us that in exactly yeah. one month from that day we would be back uh for the start of spring ball so we'll get into a lot of what that's going to look like in a month from now in terms of the players the coaches some new roles some new faces uh a lot to get into on today's show before we do that want to give a shout out to my perfect franchise to kick things off if you're looking for or excuse me, if you're ready to leave the corporate rat race for the American dream, looking for a side hustle while working your current job, wanting to diversify, build wealth, and or leave a legacy, Andy can help. Andy's a franchise consultant as well as a franchise owner and helps people find franchises that fit their skill sets, financial requirements, time to commit, and more. His services are 100% free, and he's here to help if you have any questions about business ownership. You can learn more and contact Andy anytime at myperfectfranchise.net or calling or texting him at 404-973-9901. On Wednesday, it was the first time that we got to hear from Billy Napier since early signing day, and a lot had changed uh, since the last time we spoke with him. He had made new staff hires. Uh, He had obviously added more to his 2024 class, which we'll get into. But I I think Ron Roberts especially was the hire that had happened after the fact. And – a lot of questions I think that fans, media, I'm sure even players and recruits had was who's going to be calling plays on defense in 2024. And more importantly, what's that going to look like with Ron joining that staff? Because his role is a lot more involved than Jay Bateman, who he replaced. And uh, I think we got some answers on Wednesday, Nick. Yeah, I think we got more answers um, on defense and offense, but I still have questions. Um <laughs> it's you're the executive head coach kind of the head coach of the defense but austin's the coordinator and calling plays um i i think ron roberts hits the ground running 
because it's his defense <laughs> and, and Billy Napier kind of says much like, Hey, this is, yeah. he's got a, a long, a large coaching tree, a bunch of coaches who have learned under him, Patrick Tony being one of them, Austin Armstrong being another one. Um, and it's kind of the same offense that, or defense that they had at Louisiana with Ron Roberts. Uh, so he knows everything. Yep. My question is, listen, all these coaches have egos. I think to be at this level, you've got to have some kind of an ego. Um, how does a 26-year-old elder mentor handle not being the guy calling plays for his former student? I think you and I were talking about this the other day, Zach. It'd be like if you walked into one of your classes at UF and one of your students told you, Mr. Albaverde, please, uh, front row, I'll be handling class today. Um, so that to me will be interesting. And listen, when, when the defense is playing well and when things are going well, when the team is winning, everything is good. What happens when you lose to somebody and you give up 48 points and it's like, well, if I was calling the place, you know, there's just, to me, there, there are potential pitfalls there, but I think Ron Roberts is certainly his track record speaks for himself. He's a very good coach. Uh, I'm interested to see the dynamic uh, between Roberts and Armstrong and, and how that plays on the field. And if you yeah, and just, and even, even more in the meeting rooms, <laughs> sure. when, when we have a full defense meeting, uh, who's leading that? I'm guessing it's Armstrong because he's yes. the coordinator. And, and again, I view this as a, a guy who's on the tail end of his career that wants to see one of his protégés, you know, move on to success. And, and I think, help him reach that point. And um, I, th I think just going off of what Billy said and judging off that, like there is this, you know, mentorship that, that was kind of there and, and that still exists. He talked about the mutual respect and uh, the, the quote that he used was uh, that these guys are loving life right now with their coordinator mentor type relationship. So he thinks it's a good thing. He says that they have embraced it, that they're loving the dynamic. Um, look, I, I think Ron Roberts has been around the block. He's obviously called plays in the SEC. He's mentored several coaches that that Billy talked about. Maybe he's at the point in his career that he doesn't feel the need to be calling all the plays or, or uh, he, he feels maybe better served to, to be in this role where he's kind of overseeing everything. Coaching the coaches was the term that, that Billy used. Um, but we got some clarity on that situation now. Uh, so, you know, will that will that lead to a better product? You know, we're, we're going to find out. But I, I think that he's confident that it will. And obviously, he's also confident in the other staff hires that he made on defense. Uh, will Harris and Gerald Chapman, he said, uh, you know, they are what we thought they were when we hired them and just based off of how they've hit the ground running their relationships that they've established with the players, but also look, I've mentioned it before, but they came through there and were part of, I want to say that they landed those guys, but they were definitely part of getting Grimsley to Florida and getting Robinson to Florida from Texas. So for those two guys to show up and land two guys um, that Florida had missed on helped land two guys that Florida had missed on uh, at, at two critical positions, getting guys that have been at Alabama and Texas. That's a good start. Um, we also learned a, a little bit more, Nick, about some promotions that have taken place. Um, and, and also 
some some job titles that we were kind of curious as, as to what they would be, you know, namely with Mark Hockey. But promotion-wise, he promoted Callie James to assistant defensive line coach. He'd been a grad assistant the past two years. Anybody who's been at UF practice uh, under Napier has noticed Coach James, and he's a very vocal, high-energy coach. He's been involved. I mean, he's been a grad assistant, but the amount of work and energy and effort that, that guy puts into his job, he's he's already been acting like a coach, and now that's official. So congrats to him. Uh, and then in Florida's personnel department, they've made some changes as well and some promotions. Jacob LaFrance has been promoted to, to general manager, and it's interesting, Nick, because when Mark Robinson was hired and – we learned about his role and it sounded a lot like a GM. We were told specifically to not call him a general manager uh, and not give him that title. And he is chief of staff officially. Um, but that is because that general manager title was, is now going to Jacob LaFrance who had been the director of player personnel. He's just going to move up in even more of a leadership position with that personnel department. And now Nick McDonald, he gets promoted to director of player personnel, and Joe Hamilton becomes a director of scouting. Both of those guys, Hamilton and McDonald, had came over from Louisiana with Napier. They started out just as personnel analysts, uh, and now both have been promoted after the 2023 season. So that's where things stand on the personnel department. And then last but not least, Mark Hockey has been – his new title is director of player development. And if that sounds familiar, that is – the same title that Vernell Brown had, although he was senior director of player development, although I am told that Vernell Brown's role was was with GatorMade, and that is not the capacity that hockey is going to work solely. So while he is director of player development, he's going to touch a lot of uh, areas of the program, and uh, Napier kind of went to those details there. But Nick, thoughts on on – some of those moves and, and, you know, Billy seems to be a guy that, that tries to go out of his way to take care of his people. And uh, if they've earned staff promotions, he's going to give it to them. Yeah. I think um, fans have seen uh, that. And we see that a lot on the message board that Billy takes care of his people. Um, it It's, I think it, for Callie James, I think that's a great, he's a young energetic coach. I think I've mentioned him a couple of times, just, um, watching him work with the defensive line. Um, even just seeing him on the treadmill posting Twitter videos, sweating with like talking about some gospel early in the morning. Um, players really like him. Um, he finished his graduate degree, I'm assuming, since he moved on from being a graduate assistant. Um, so congrats to him. Um, he's someone that I think Florida is better for having around the program and someone who I think will eventually be an on-field coach one day. Um Gerald Chapman and, and Will Harris, like you said, like came in and landed some dudes. Um, it is kind of funny. Like we're giving, we are giving Florida credit. And I think they do get some credit for like Grimsley um, and DeAndre, but like you finished second, not these coaches, <laughs> these coaches didn't mm -hmm. finish second, yeah. but that's kind of where football college football is right now. Like finishing second doesn't matter. Uh, Cause it, it might be a year later in the guys in the portal. It might be a month later in the guys in the portal. Like Jameer yeah. Grimsley had a quote being like, 
man, Florida, you know, they fire coaches for winning 10 games. Nick Saban's always going to be at Alabama. And Nick Saban, like, Grimsley's on campus for what, like two and a half weeks? And Saban retires. And it's just like, hey, man, nothing is permanent in college football. Nothing yeah. is. Um, so Billy got a chuckle yesterday when asked if it's if it's good to finish second because it, it's worked out uh, in, in those two cases. Um, but I guess that's why you can never stop recruiting and you get two guys from Tampa uh, in the Orlando area to stay home or come back home. I think that's yep. huge. So uh, it, it will be interesting to me. I think Florida and the whole army that we've talked about, the, the college football calendar is is just unrelenting and, and, and it needs to be changed. There's no break for the coaches. You're constantly yeah. recruiting. Billy Napier said yesterday, you're recruiting two classes. And that means he's, he's talking about juniors and seniors in high school. But you're also recruiting your current roster every single year. And it used to be, well, if we got a grad, if we got a transfer, they're stuck. Now they're here. We don't have to re-recruit them, but the NCAA is not enforcing their one-time transfer rule anymore. So you're recruiting (laughs) every single player on your roster, every single time the portal opens, or if they graduated, even when the portal is not open, they can just grad transfer um, while also recruiting high school level, then practicing, uh, and then getting ready for games and then coaching games and doing all this. Like you're going to, unless the NCAA or the Alliance, the big 10 and sec figure out a way to change this, you're going to see really good college coaches leave for the NFL where they just work seven months a year, eight months a year, six, five, six days a week. And all they do is watch film and coach ball. And that's it. The life. That's easy. <laughs> um, and Speaking of that, there was some, I, th- I think, people that, that wanted to know uh, what would happen on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, Nick, you had kind of let people know on the Gators Online message board, and I'd heard the same thing, that, that there wasn't going to be any changes or anything like that mm-hmm. uh, with the, the four coaching contracts that everybody thought were set to expire. And Nick, in your reporting, uh, you found out that that's not the case, uh, that those guys have been uh, at least reached new deals or, or agreed to. Um, so it's kind of a non-story, honestly, but we don't get these contracts as they get updated or as they get extended. There are four requests that have to take place. Um, UF notoriously drags their feet on that, as does most programs. Um, but there's a lot of four requests happening right now at UF. So um we haven't got that, those informations yet, but Rob Sale, Darnell Stapleton, uh, Mike Peterson, and Jabbar Jaluk all back uh, along with the other coaches. And um, now we know where Florida staff is for 2024. And if there is going to be any more tweaks or changes specifically with play calling duties on offense, it, it, it appears that it's going to happen within the confines of how this staff is currently set which would mean that if anybody is going to take on more of those duties, it looks like all signs are pointing to Russ Calloway. Yeah. Yeah. If there's going to be, if there's going to be anything, um, anything changes, like I, I think, you know, uh, see some fans being like, well, NFL, NFL coaches, you know, I just mentioned NFL guys wanting to leave for the NFL. Um, like, Sure. Yeah, I guess one of Florida's offensive coaches could get an NFL job, and then that would open up a spot. But 
right now the plan is the, the coaching staff is set. <laughs> practice begins in a month. We're excited yep. about practice. We're excited about the staff that we have. That's that's the message we got. And I think Billy was purposely uh, ambiguous or obtuse yesterday. He was very deliberate when he talked about the defense and the, and the coaching staff changes. And all year long, Billy says we go through uh, a rigorous self-evaluation and we're always self-evaluating. Um, and, and clearly when the season ended, that evaluation was our defense was the problem. And you fire two coaches, you had another coach leave. So you have a, basically a brand new defensive staff. Um, the offense clearly was not deemed to be an issue. Uh, and and mm-hmm. if you look at the stats and go back and watch games, yeah, sure, the offense could have been better. Uh, there are drives, there are plays, there are moments on offense that, that will make you angry. But if you're giving up 38 points a game, <laughs> your offense has to do a lot uh, to win. So I know people wanted a new play caller. Uh, if that's going to happen, I think it would be Russ Calloway. Um, uh, it would take a, a coach leaving. And as we've been saying this entire time, as fans have been hounding us for OC hot boards, uh, there is not a position open for an offensive coach on the staff. And uh, we heard Billy say that essentially yesterday. Yeah. And for folks that want to know, why won't he just come out and say, Russ will right be here. the OC or, or won't be the OC? Um. And yeah, there you go. And I, I think the reason is now Nick and I had both heard, and I know that we weren't the only ones, that, that there was, was some consideration from Billy this offseason, I'm talking about in, in recent months, of consideration for an outside play caller. Like It, it wasn't always just, hey, I'm going to promote a guy from in-house. Um, but I, I do think that, that that dynamic and being able to hand the keys over to somebody that he knows that knows his system that he's worked with that he's established a relationship with they have um you know trust and respect and and that's a lot maybe easier on any coach to to maybe hand over the keys in that type of dynamic as opposed to just bringing somebody brand new that you don't know that you haven't worked with before that you don't know their tendencies um and and I think that as we look at this thing going into the future that's that might seem like um the more likely outcome if that's the direction that this thing is going to go and as Mm -hmm. to why why not just come out and say he is the oc or he will be the oc or he's the oc in training um i think it's a little bit of that last thing i just said i i think that he's working toward that point as a head coach and as an offensive staff and it's probably just a matter of determining when he feels like Russ Calloway is ready and when he's ready to hand over the keys. Um, that might be in the middle of the spring. That might be after the first week of spring. Maybe after spring ball, he'll decide that that he that he doesn't feel like he is ready. Um, <laughs> you know, who knows? That'll be a fun uh, time. So I, I do think, and, and it reminds me. Very much, although it's it was not the same relationship and not the same dynamic, but it reminds me very much of the Dan Mullen Brian Johnson dynamic. Because back in 2019, Brian Johnson started getting more freedom and, and started calling plays on offense. He was not the offensive coordinator, he was just the quarterback's coach, but he was calling plays 
during the 2019 season on offense. And we know that because Mullen would come in post game and say, hey, Brian Johnson called that play. That was a great call by, by Brian. That led to 2020, him being named the offensive coordinator. I think we could see something similar between Russ and, uh, and Billy in terms of how that plays out, what that, time like, what that timeline looks like, how long it will take when he officially decides to pull the trigger on that is anybody's guess. But I do think that that's where things are trending right now or heading. Yeah. Um, and, and for as much as I went after Dan Mullen for a bunch of other things, he really um, spring springboarded Brian Johnson's career. Yes, he did. And, not, and not to take anything away from Brian, he earned what, what he got, but it, you're not going to get a opportunity to go to the NFL as Florida's quarterbacks coach under Dan Mullen, who everyone knows is a quarterbacks coach and an offensive coordinator. So by naming Brian Johnson the offensive coordinator for that one year before he got his promotion and went to the NFL, that gave Brian the opportunity to get those jobs. Um, and, and coaches can do that. It, it will be interesting to me, and I don't know that I anyone probably other than Billy could say or could tell you um, what, what his thought process is. Is it, well, I, I really trust Russ. I just want to see how he does in the spring. I'm going to, I'm going to hand him the keys over during team drills. I'm yeah. going to give him scrimmages calling during team in practice. And Hey, I think, yeah. I think that went well. And now we're going to go to the first scrimmage and I'll take one team. I'll take the twos and he can take the ones. And I'll go twos against one defense, and he can he can go one against twos defense, and you can kind of start building up and really see. Okay, we think now we have confidence. I had confidence in Russ to call plays. I had confidence in Russ to uh, mentor and coach and develop these players. And now I've seen it in the spring, and I have confidence in him to call plays. And, and it's like I've said before: um, if Billy Napier believe doesn't believe that his job is on the line in 2024, then why make a change? We're fine. We have time. If he does believe his job is on the line in 2024, are you going to give the opportunity to somebody else to get you fired? So, like, the, I think there's a lot of things in play. And I don't think he thinks his job is on the line. I don't think um, he thinks either. Um, go five and seven, and we'll and we'll we'll see. But uh, I don't think he thinks his job is on the line. Um, but I do think he could use the spring as essentially for lack of a better term, an audition for Russ um, to take over play con duties. Yeah, it's 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 fascinating. But that is also why I believe he hasn't just come out and said, this is what I'm doing, because I think he's he's still determining that. And um, and if you come out and say that and then it doesn't look good in the spring, then you have to take it away. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, he's not doing that. Um, I do think that at some point that he will probably reach that uh, point as a head coach, whether that's this offseason, whether that's next year. I think that he knows that calling plays for the rest of his head coaching career is probably not in the cards. Um, I think it's more of a matter of figuring out who's the guy to hand the keys off to and, and, and getting comfortable in that situation. And I do think that his options that he considered were either promoting Russ or bringing in somebody from the outside who was a bona fide play caller that even though he didn't have history with um, or working relationship that 
he just felt so confident in their resume and their track record that that he was able to give the uh, the keys over to. And obviously, he didn't find that person this offseason. And now that's where things stand. So we know who's calling plays on defense. We know for now who's calling plays on offense. Uh, but, you know, as we, we, we get to spring practice, we'll continue to monitor that and, and see how that's progressing. Uh, before we change gears, want to give a shout out to rogueshop.com and encourage all Florida fans to go check them out if you have issues sleeping, chronic pain, and or anxiety and stress. Rogue Shop sells CBD, THC, edibles, smokables, and vapes, as well as handcrafted bath salts, soaps, and candles. Rogue Shop is a true small business, and they have five employees that make all of their products with their own cannabis grown in their manufacturing facility. Visit RogueShop.com. That's R-O-G-U-E Shop.com. And in addition to discussing the new hires, the new staff roles, Billy did get into, uh, toward the end of the press conference, uh, some of the personnel pieces that they've added and uh, eight total guys, six transfers and two guys from the high school ranks. I count Grimsley and Robinson as high school recruits. I know some sites has them as a transfer. Some site has them as a, he's, he was part of the 2024 class. So that's how I characterize him. Um, And with that said, a total of 19 high school recruits from the 2024 class a total of 11 transfers, including Juco transfer Brian Taylor. So 30 players in total. The Gators finished with a top 10 class on on three. However, Jamar Grimsley, or Jameer Grimsley, excuse me, does not factor into those rankings and does not factor into the player, average player rating that Florida has, which is sixth nationally, according to the on three industry rankings. Um, and again, that is not including Jameer Grimsley, who is a top uh, 200 prospect. Um, I think in on on three is even higher. So all in all, I think this class is complete. Uh, we graded it over at Gators Online. I graded it in my mailbag. Uh, Keith gave his grades as well. Uh, Nick, what are your grades? I know you, you haven't got down to position by position, but if you just had to overall grade this class, I mean, I gave a grade for the high school recruits and then the transfers and then an overall grade just off the top of your head. What, what comes to mind for you? Um, I, I think the biggest one, uh, the biggest two are one is DJ Lagway, obviously with a quarterback. Um, I view DJ and, and, and you know me, Zach, I don't throw, I, I don't like to hype freshmen up. Um, and, I, and I don't know that DJ will play a ton as a freshman. Um, but that's a quarterback that you can win a championship with. Um, Getting him was uh, an incredible win by this coaching staff. Then getting LJ McCray, be not just LJ McCray, who I think is college ready right now, um, but beating out the schools you beat him out for Georgia, Florida State, Alabama, um, Auburn. Like those are the schools you need to be winning these battles for to catch up to them and to get ahead of them. Um, so, Top end, I think that's great. I think Florida got some needs. I think uh, the biggest whiff for me is probably going to be offensive line. Um, I'd probably grade Florida a B overall for adding 
uh, both recruiting classes or maybe even a B plus. Cause I really like Asa. Um, I really like DJ Douglas. Um, so I think, I think they've added some pieces at, at, uh, on the back end of the defense. Uh, I think with Douglas possibly, probably filling in with that nickel role. Um, I know a lot of fans didn't love Jaden Hill, but I thought Jaden Hill had a really good year last year. Uh, and that's a big hole to uh, replace. I think you filled that. Um, I think you did a good job at running back with the recruiting class. I really like Kane Daniels and, and Jaden Baugh. Um, I think you could have done better at receiver. Um, and, and I really like the addition of Pup Howard, and I think Florida's going to be decent at linebacker. So overall a B grade uh, with with some really high-end players in, in McCray um, and, and Lagway. And then I'm excited to see uh, just how fast Tank Hawkins is, Jare Hawkins – uh, cause I'm hearing that Billy said he's the fastest on the team already. Yeah. I think Aiden Mizell might want to question that. There might be some guys that want to question that. Let's get him, uh, behind keys, Zach racing in the parking lot in keys or something. Um, but yeah, I think for it, it's a B it's a solid B there's, there's some areas that I think, and, and listen, like I said about the transfer portal too, it's, you're not shopping at Neiman Marcus in the transfer portal uh, for the offensive lineman. So, so, um, but I don't know that Florida's offensive line is better in 2024 than they were in 2023. So your overall grade is a B, and then your high school and transfer classes were. You say my, no, it's my overall grade's a B. I think, okay. I think that's a, a that's a little low, Nick. I think it's a B. That's a little low. Um, I got I, I put my grades out. I know some folks at Gators <laughs> Online disagree with them. Um, look, man. <laughs> They signed – let's just start with the high school class, okay? Uh, they signed 19 recruits total from – that were 2024 class prospects. 19 total. Um, just going off the average player rating, just going off average player rating, to me, the high school class is an A-minus class. Their average player rating was 91.923. I don't know what grades you guys had growing up, but in my school, that was an A-. minus. Um, the five teams ahead of Florida, Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, Texas, Oregon. Georgia was the highest at a 92.67 average player rating. Florida was 91.23. We're talking about one point. So... You know, some of the takeaways from this, just the high school class, to me, is interesting. I put a lot of stock in the average player rating, and I feel like this this class was a few pieces away from being an A class. It was not an A class at the high school ranks. It was not. They didn't land Jordan uh, Seaton or another top-flight offensive lineman that was a five-star player, and they didn't land Jeremiah Smith or somebody of that caliber. I think that those two players specifically were probably the difference in um, the class being an A. Maybe if you kept uh, Xavier Filsamy, who was another five-star, you could have got an A grade, at least for me. Um, but I think that missing those pieces – now, I do think that losing Nazir Johnson and Wardell Mack were, were big losses. However – Florida got replaced uh, Nazir Johnson with DeAndre Robinson, 
and replaced Wardell Mack with Jameer Grimsley. So it's, I mean, it's basically, uh, you know, that, that, that was just a swap there. And, um, you know, obviously quarterback running back class was great. Um, they needed an elite receiver. They didn't get one. They got an elite tight end. We'll get into the offensive line and then front seven. They did really good. Obviously the two linebackers, um, would have maybe liked to see, um, another player in the front seven at the, at the high school level, but I still think that they got enough. Um, so again, my, my high school class grade for them was an a minus. Um, and then for the transfers, look, I, I, I liked some of the pieces that they got. Um, it, it's, it's hard to grade the transfer class, Nick, because like, wh- what do you grade it on? Do you grade it off of, the needs that Florida had after their high school signees and whether they met them, or do you grade it off of where their, where their transfer class compares to other transfer classes? Well, some other schools might've had way more needs in the portal and might've threw way more money in the portal. And therefore their transfer class is going to be more stacked. Um, so it, whereas, whereas with high school recruiting, it's, it's, it's kind of more um, comparable. Like you're going to have, guys that are in like the 20, 20 recruit range based well, on like, the number of signees. Like Ole have. Miss. Ole Miss views with 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 Jackson Dart coming back, with the pieces they have coming back, Ole Miss views 2024 as our chance to make the playoff. Yeah. 12 teams, this is our chance to make a run. Nick Saban retires and they're thinking, oh boy, this is definitely our chance. So yeah, Ole Miss – the Grove Collective is fantastic. Um, they have a ton of corporate sponsorships. They have over 5,000 members. The Grove Collective has a ton of money, and they spent a ton of money in the portal. Um, it's like a team at the trade deadline in the NBA or the NFL or the MLB. Hey, we're a couple pieces away. Let's throw yeah. some money around and get those pieces. Where when I look at Florida, you're a couple pieces at every position away. So it's it's not that same sense of urgency. I don't know. Nothing Florida, to me, could have done in the transfer portal uh, would have made me think, you know what? I think Florida's a playoff team next year. Agreed. Agreed. And that's that that's important to note because, I, you know, there was only so much that they could do. Um, but they, do, they did need to address needs. They did need to go get guys that are going to be able to come in and start day one, and they got those pieces. They did. Joey Slackman headlines their transfer class. He's the number two defensive lineman in the portal. Um, they also signed the number five safety in the portal, Asa Turner, who um, Nick mentioned. Brandon Crenshaw-Dixon uh, is probably going to step in and start. I know Devin Manuel is going to be competing there for a role. Um but he's a guy, you know, on three had him as the number 16 offensive tackle in the portal, the number 176 overall transfer in the portal. So Brandon Crenshaw Dixon was a huge get. Um, Joey Slackman was a huge get. Asa Turner was a huge get. Puff Howard was a huge get. Um, and and really, you didn't know how, how important he was going to be until all of a sudden, lo and behold, Scooby Williams hit the portal and you lost one of your starting linebackers. And to go sign two studs out of the high school level, Miles Graham and Aaron Childs, and pair them with Grayson Howard, that's a damn good linebacker class. And um, 
there weren't many pieces or many positions, should I say, outside of that that they needed to dress other than the secondary. Now, where did they come up short? Um, I would have liked them. I would like to see them add an offensive guard um, from the portal. I think that you lost both of your starting offensive guards. There is not an obvious guy to plug in there after Najee Harris for that second starter. So I think that's that's a spot where they could have used another transfer. They wanted to add a second wide receiver transfer with Shamir DK. I don't think it's the end of the world that they didn't get one, but they they went after several and hosted some and didn't land them. So they missed uh, on a second receiver. And then I think probably, oh man, I don't know, Nick, you could say if, if you think this is, it hurts more that they didn't get this player from the portal or, or this player, whether it be a guard or an edge, more specifically an outside linebacker to replace Princely Uman, Uman Mielin. That was a guy that I don't think this staff anticipated leaving uh, after the season and after the first national signing day. He goes and transfers to Ole Miss. And Florida's got players at that Jack outside linebacker spot, uh, TJ Searcy, Jack Pyburn. But there's not a just obvious answer for who's going to replace Princely. And if you could have gotten a top flight elite edge player out of the portal after losing Princely, that would have been big. Um, I don't know how many options that they had there uh, or if somebody would have been as good as Princely. But that is... I think the spots were, I think they came up short. So I gave their transfer class a B because um, I thought that they got some important pieces, but they probably also missed a couple spots where they needed the depth. How are you going to say, you, you looked at me and shook your head and said, Nick, that's low. Well, no, I gave I, both I'm of them I'm, a B. You gave them an A minus and a B. You were, you well, were, but, yeah, but, but for, you, you, said give them, you didn't even give the high school class a 4-0. You gave them a 3-8. You, you said their overall class was a B grade. Like I, I think their overall class grade is, I mean, you can, you can say it was a B plus or a minus. I put more stock personally into the high school recruits because there are more of them. And then some of the high school recruits that you signed were some of the best high school recruits that they've signed in the last decade. Um, so I don't know. That's where it's at. I, I do feel like though, Nick, um, you mentioned this, and I know that this is this is one of the positions that fans are just harping on. They don't feel like Florida did well in, in, with offensive line in this class. And maybe they didn't do great. Maybe they didn't do elite. But this idea, and I, I gave their their offensive line grade a B. I didn't, you know, I didn't give them, I didn't think they did great, but but I'm gonna just read off, I'm gonna just read off these rankings, Nick. You might have seen me post this on the Gators Online message board. Maybe you didn't. Um, shout out to Perry. We had a great back and forth about his grades and my grades for the class, and we started talking about offensive line. And I'm going to go through these rankings for offensive linemen. All right? These are from on three. These are on three's rankings. These are not industry rankings. These are just on three. And I'm going to give you two classes in the offensive linemen that they signed and where they ranked. Okay, one class signed a lineman that was ranked 157th nationally, 165th nationally, 261st nationally, and then three guys that were not rated nationally, two of them three stars, one of them a four-star. So just to recap, three guys in the top 100, three guys not rated nationally. 
And then you have another class with a guy ranked 171st nationally, 259th nationally. Then you have two transfers that are ranked 176th nationally and 282nd nationally. And then two guys that were not rated as three stars. So to recap, four top 300 linemen from the high school ranks in the transfer portal, and then two guys not rated. Now, just me rattling off those rankings, Nick, does it sound like there's much discrepancy between those two classes? No, it doesn't sound like that. I think the the issue is none of the high school linemen you signed are helping you this year. Not a single one of them. Sure. So we can talk about that. By the time the high school class might be ready, uh, the offensive line class might be ready to help you, it might be the next coach. So the issue for me wasn't what high school offensive linemen can you get? It was what can you get in the portal that can help save your job in 2024? That was my issue because you can get the number one offensive lineman, Jordan, um, Seaton. Jordan Seaton, and maybe he's ready to play. But pro- but those are few and far between. I remember uh, Francis, I'm going to butcher his last name, Manuagu, I can't even pronounce it, went to Miami. He was a, he was a tackle. They moved him to guard. He was able to start as a freshman. Uh, the, the freshman, at the offensive lineman out of high school that can start and play and impact right away are the exception to the rule. So I'm not grading Florida's offensive line class in terms of, Okay, that helps in 2024 because, in my opinion, it doesn't. None but of those guys will make that's an impact not true. this year. That's not true. Brandon Brandon Crenshaw Dixon and Devin Manuel 1,000% are helping next season. Those are, those are, the, portal. Those are the portal tr- portal guys. That What different? Those are part of your offensive line signing class for 2024. What, what are we talking From about? The- I'm saying they're different. I'm saying they're not, the, but the they're high not, school. But, you you but, can't throw Fletcher to, Westfall but, but, but in but with your Brandon point, Nick, Dixon. To your point, the goal is to get better and improve the offensive line now. Mm-hmm. To get better now, not to rely on development of high school prospects. Now, yes, do they need to go get a five-star offensive lineman that maybe could play the first or second year? Absolutely. Um, no, no, that's, but, that's not what but, I'm saying. I'm, I'm discounting where this staff is. I'm saying I'm not grading the offensive linemen as being able to contribute or help the team this year, the ones that they got from high school. The guys, I thought they needed to get more from the transfer portal. Uh, Devin Manuel graded worse, according to poor football focus, than Damian well, George they, last but year. They didn't, they, didn't, they didn't take Devin Manuel to start, so – you know, maybe so he, maybe he, he, I'm sure he's going to come compete for it. Brandon Crenshaw Dixon is who they took to start. So if we think he's not going to be good, then maybe not. But on three has him ranked as the number 16 offensive tackle that was available in the transfer portal. I think you I need mean, more than one. They got two, Nick. Now, if <laughs> you just discounted one of the two, I didn't discount them. I said that I think that one of them is going to start. And I think the other starting offensive tackle is going to be Austin Barber. There's only two starting offensive tackles. And then who starts at guard? That I just went into that. That's why they're that's why my overall grade for their offensive line class is a B and not a not a B plus or an A minus is because they failed to sign a guard from the portal that can step in and start right away. 
That mm. to me, that's what this class is missing. That and a Jordan Seaton. I think if they would have signed a portal guard in Jordan Seaton or somebody of that caliber, this offensive line class is an A class. They have two top 300 on 300 signees from the high school ranks. They've got two guys from the portal, one of them who's probably going to step in and start. I don't say probably. He is going to step in and start. Um, and, and, I, and I say all this to say, you know, and I know that Perry's not the only one. I'm not singling out Perry. Shout out to Perry. But a lot of Florida fans compare Florida's offensive line and Florida's offensive line recruiting with Georgia. Um, and while Florida does absolutely 100% needs to catch Georgia, um, if you just look at their two signing classes, it's not like Georgia blew Florida out of the water this year. They didn't sign three five-star offensive linemen and or three top 50 offensive linemen. They signed pretty much the same class that Florida did. In fact, Florida signed two transfer guys that are going to step in, or and one of them will probably have more of an impact than any of the guys that Georgia signed right away. So they still need to do more, but this, this notion that Florida's class on the offensive line was just trash or was C, I, I just don't agree with that. Um, they got two quality guys uh, out of their four that they signed from the high school ranks, and then one of them is one of the best offensive tackles that was available in the portal. Um, they needed to get a guard. They needed to get a high, high, uh, you know, five-star guy that was missing. But it's it's a solid offensive line class. Like it's right there with Georgia in terms of where those, their guys ranked. Um, and I just think that's important to point out because it's um, it's not as bad as I think people are making it out to be. It just needs to be better. Yeah, I, I mean, I would probably grade it in terms of 20 over it's, it's there to the transfer portal. And especially at wide receiver or especially at offensive line um, are two totally different things for me. The guys that Florida got in high school will not make an impact on the field in 2024. So to grade it along with the transfer portal guys, which if you looked at your offensive line, which lost both starting guards and probably going to have to move a tackle. And I look at it and I say, we have to have a better offensive line, better offensive line play in 2024. I'm not trying to get a bunch of guys from high school. I'm prioritizing that class in the portal. And I think you got one guy in Brandon Crenshaw Dixon, who's a good player and you needed three or four. That's so fair. That's, so, so you didn't do it for me. Well, so you think that they needed to sign four transfer <laughs> offensive linemen and only three or four and only and only one or two from the high school rings. No, no, you need to sign. As well, they didn't have the scholarships for that, Nick. So if you, mean, you're yeah. only the you're, they're, they're, sign, they're, they're, they're over. Sign. They're over 85 right now. They're at 86 so That's right my now. point. So out of the six offensive linemen that they allocated that they were going to sign this year. How many do you think should have been transfers? How many do you think you should have been high school the, recruits? The number's not real. If 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 you're saying that 80, they have to be under 85, well, they're already over 85. So why does it matter if you had 89 going into spring ball instead of 85? You're not answering my question. If they said going into the cycle, we're going to sign six offensive linemen. That's what we're going to have you room sign for. More. Sign seven. You're still not answering my question. Do you think that whatever number they decide to allocate should how what percentage of that should be transfers? What percentage of that should be high school offensive linemen? 
What it 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 doesn't the numbers What's you're asking it's apples to oranges because if you're getting a guy like Brandon Crenshaw Dixon who's only going to be here for a year, then you just add that to the number because you're not going to say, well, we're not going to take someone from high school who we think can develop and would need the time. We just need to get four guys right now. And then you're in a perpetual thing of only getting transfer players. That's why I'm saying you can't say, hey, we're only sticking to six. We have to have six and we're going to split that number evenly or we're going to do four and two. You have to be flexible. You can't just say we're only taking six and we already have four signed in high school. I, so I don't we think only they said we're the only quarter. taking six. I, I'm not. I'm, in, just, in this, I'm just going in this exercise, you're saying went. six. Right. But why do you, why, why does that number have to be rigid? Okay. Well, hey, we have an opportunity to add a seventh offensive lineman with another transfer portal guy. I'm just, I, I guess what I'm trying to get out of you, Nick, is in any given recruiting cycle, what percentage of offensive linemen should be transfers versus high school? Should it be 75 to 25? Should it be 50 50? Should it fluctuate from year to year? What do you think? Yeah, it fluctuates from year to year. You're, you're addressing, for me, you're building, uh, kind of like what Billy Napier said, you're building your team through the draft recruiting, and then you're supplementing through free agency. I think on the offensive line, Florida, if you look at their depth chart in their roster, needed to substitute drafting offensive linemen and go heavy in free agency because the drafted offensive linemen aren't going to help you this year. Whereas the free agent offensive linemen could have helped you this year. So based on that, you would have given them a better grade if they signed maybe four transfers as opposed to two and four transfers and two high school offensive linemen, as opposed to four high school offensive linemen and two transfers. And it would depend on the players. If they if they signed, if, if if they went and they signed like three offensive linemen from FIU just to get number, no, I don't think that's sure, better. No, depending yeah. on the players. My point is the class to me. If Billy, I think Billy Napier's job is on the line in twenty twenty four. If they go six and six, I don't. I think we're doing a coaching search at this time. We have a new coach in place at this time next year. So the twenty twenty four guys you signed don't matter if that is the reality. And you needed to get guys who could step in like Brandon Crenshaw Dixon and play right away on the offensive line. It depends on the situation. Like at quarterback, I don't think Florida needed to go and sign a second um, high school quarterback. Like, hey, go sure. find somebody to fill out the room. And that's what they did. And that's what yeah. they did. Um, at running back, hey, I don't, you signed two really good high school running backs. You don't need to go in the portal and get another running back. It changes from year to year. Yeah. And you fill through the transfer portal with needs. Florida's secondary could not tackle. Will Harris came in, and at some point, once he got his iPad, looked and goes, oh, my God, nobody in my secondary tackles. What did they do? They went into the transfer portal and got a bunch of guys who can tackle. So you're supplementing. To me, and the only point I've made is Florida's offensive line grade, I'm not grading the high school players because I don't think they're going to make an impact this season. Yeah, but you still got to give them a grade on who they sign. Like, you still got to look at, okay – Here's the high school school lineman they signed. What grade am I going to give them for these guys? I mean, you got to give a grade. Sure, they're fine. Say I'm not going to grade them. That's sure they're fine. And then the next coach might be coaching them. Like that's that's why I I put a different emphasis on the transfer portal, and that that was our disconnect here. Yeah, I they did not they didn't do what they didn't get enough in the transfer portal for the offensive line, in my opinion, for to make the offensive line better this season. That we both agree on. Like that's and to me, that's the difference between them having a 
B plus A minus grade in the in the B that I gave them, or maybe the C plus or B minus that somebody else might give them is they needed that they needed a guard. Now, was there not one that they liked or that they felt deemed uh, worthy enough or whatever the case may be? There's still the spring portal out there, but um, it is concerning. Like th- there's no doubt. I think they got plenty of tackles. They're going to be able to get two starting offensive tackles out there. Um, but the guard situation is going to be something to monitor all throughout probably, spring you'll practice. You'll be able to kick one of the tackles inside. Cam Waits has played tackle and guard. Yep. Um, Damian George has really only played tackle, but played a little bit of guard. So one of those guys will, will flip in. Um, Rod Kearney was a guard in high school and they moved into center. Like there's pieces there. You just don't know what they are or what they will be at new positions. For sure. And as we talk about new positions, that'll uh, lead us to our final segment. Uh, before we get there, I want to give a shout out to Prairie Dental Center. The doctor is a UF grad who's practiced in Gainesville for three decades and has developed a deep understanding of how to diagnose and treat various dental problems, along with advanced skills and knowledge to provide more effective and efficient care to his patients. If you're having dental concerns or just need a cleaning, Prairie Dental Center offers a wide range of personalized care options to meet your individual needs. Give their office a call at 352-373-3431. Tell them Gators Online sent you and your new patient exam will be free. And as Nick has been mentioning throughout the show, we are one week or excuse me, one month away from spring football starting. And when the Gators take the field, there will be some guys playing some new positions. Uh, we talked about maybe some potential changes on the offensive line that we will be monitoring throughout practice, but there are four for show that we know will be happening. Oh, show. And uh, I think the most notable change, and, and Nick, we had talked about some of these changes, and I know you had mentioned them in your position previews, but certainly the most notable change is with Kelby Collins, the – Freshman All-SEC honoree in 2023, he played edge last year. Now, let me break this down before we get into this because this, I don't want to confuse anybody. I know we've talked about it before, but let's just break it down. Florida has a defensive line position, and they have an edge position. The defensive line position has a nose tackle and has a strong side defensive end. The nose tackle that started for the Gators in 2023 was Cam Jackson. Their strong side defensive end that started was um, Caleb Banks. Then Florida also has an edge position that it also is two players. One of them is the F spot or what you would maybe call the weak side defensive end. And then the other one is the jack spot or the outside linebacker. One of them has their hand in the dirt. The other one is standing up. Of course, Princely Uman Mielin. He started at the Jack outside linebacker spot last year. And Justice Boone was going to start at the F spot, had a season-ending injury in camp, and then Tyreek Sapp started at the F spot in his place. So just to lay all that out, Kelby Collins played the F spot last year uh, behind Boone and behind Tyreek Sapp. Well, he has moved from edge to defensive line. He is no longer listed as an edge on the roster. His position is now DL. He will not play nose tackle. He will play strong side defensive end with Caleb Banks and also Joey Slackman, who uh, they added from Penn. So very interesting there, that move, because, um, you know, he's a guy that that was very productive last year, finished with 23 tackles, um, 
But you get Boone back at the F spot. You get sat there. You got Cameron James as well. So the Gators are, are, are moving Collins, I think, to hopefully get a little bit more out of him, maybe put him at, at a position where he's needed a little bit more, and they'll be able to improve their depth on the defensive line. But um, of the four changes, Nick, uh, Kelby moving to defensive line is definitely the biggest one. Yeah, and if just looking at them physically, like Kelby Collins and TJ Searcy both showed – like Kelby Collins showed up, and I was like, this he looks like a sophomore – uh, does not look like an early enrollee uh, freshman. Um, and just looking at them and, and him and TJ Searcy, Searcy's longer, leaner, um, more of what you would consider or, or would be the typical body frame um, of that stand-up, you know, rush linebacker. Um, and if you were going to have to make a move, it would seem more like Kelby Collins would be the one to move inside. And Florida has a bunch of players as I was going through that. And, and I kind of like doing those position breakdowns. Just it, it helps me kind of break guys down and, and see what Florida has um, moving Collins inside. I mean, it's not really inside. It's more strong inside side, uh, defensive. Strong, yeah. But moving him inside from an outside linebacker position, um, I think made sense. Um, it'll be interesting to see where Tyreek said he's kind of like a guy without a home. Uh, he just fills in wherever somebody gets injured. And they're like, hey, Sap, we need you to go uh, be the holder on special teams now. And he kind of just does whatever they need to do. Um, but I think that's a, that's going to be a big um, development for Kelby Collins. And if he can still provide a pass rush from that position, uh, I think that will be huge for Florida. But we did see Kelby and um, TJ on the field at the same time, uh, especially in – obvious passing downs last year so it wouldn't be the first time we've seen it um and then another thing too uh how much of these position changes might just be a test or to cross train yes. during spring that's 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 true that's true and that, that's important to note this is their spring roster so um this isn't set set in stone these guys could always move back or, or whatever the case may be um but i do i do think that you know Looking at, like you said, Nick, just Kelby's build, like he, he definitely has the frame easily Good to boy. play defensive line. And um, I, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. The other position changes of note, the Gators add somebody to their defensive line room, but they also lose someone. Gavin Hill is switching sides of the ball, and he is now playing tight end for the Gators in 2024. And that'll give them another player at that position. The Gators are loaded at tight end now. Um, and then two more changes on the defensive love, side of the ball. I don't love uh, the history or connotation, what I think, moving from defensive line to tight end. I don't love the career trajectory when that's the position change that's made. Yeah. Um, that is a change that we see often, though. That's a change that Dante Zanders made as well. Um, yeah. And two more position changes on defense. Aaron Gates, uh, Nick had wrote about this in his positional preview to give you guys a heads up. He has moved from cornerback to safety, and he'll be at strong safety where he'll be playing with Jordan Castell and Josiah Davis. And then I've been putting this on our updated scholarship charts, Nick, since early signing day, and fans have looked at me crazy for listening <laughs> there, but that's where he was. I was trying to tell people. Uh, but now it's official. 
uh, Jamarcus Weston, the former wide receiver, he has switched <laughs> from safety to edge, and he uh, and he will not play the F spot like uh, you know Sap and Boone. He'll play the outside linebacker Jack spot, and um, but he has made another position change there. So um, now it's still worth noting about that edge position and D-line and the difference between the two. Something also of note on the spring roster as it's been released for 2024 is that two edge signees for the Gators, LJ McCray and Juco transfer Brian Taylor, they are both listed as defensive linemen and not mm-hmm. edge players. Now, could that change? Could they just be trying them out there? We'll, we'll find out. Um, but they are listed as defensive linemen and not edge players. So, and again, because of that versatility, they're not going to play nose tackle. So that that means that they would be at the strong side defensive end spot with Caleb Banks, Kelby Collins, and, and Joey Slackman. So some more depth there um, that the Gators could potentially have for the spring. Now, Napier said on signing day that, you know, that they viewed LJ McCray in that F position, the you know, the, the hand in the dirt uh, weak side defensive end, one of the two edge spots where Kelby had been, but he also said on signing day that that McCray had some position flexibility. So it's yeah. not surprising to see him listed as a defensive lineman. We had been told that he was being recruited as an edge. He said that he was being recruited as an edge. Napier said that, but even though he that was out there, at least on three twenty four seven sports ESPN. They all had him rated as the number one defensive lineman and not at, at the edge. So, again, it could be irrelevant, but it is something to note that there are that there are some differences there in, in where those guys have been have been listed uh, and where they were being recruited at. So, I mean, like LJ McCray said, to me is a dude. You could put LJ McCray yeah. at strong side defensive end at F at outside linebacker. Um, you, I've seen him. You put him nose passes. I've seen, I've seen him tip passes to himself. You can put him at tight end. That might be the one time a defensive lineman switches to tight end, and I don't go, ah, yeah, smells like transfer. Yeah, so it's um, I know that that within the program they feel better about their front seven depth, mm-hmm. not just with the edge and with the defensive line, but also with the linebacker room. So. We'll see what it looks like in spring ball. We're only a few weeks away. It's crazy. Um, But uh, it'll be right around the corner. Nick and I will kind of turn our focus to baseball and basketball over this next month, but we'll still continue to turn out football content, still talk about it here on the show. Um, But uh, a nice little break, Nick. I know you're looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, the baseball grind starts soon. and then spring football always starts like right when Florida baseball starts like uh, SEC play and right when basketball goes to uh, the SEC tournament. So uh, that's a crazy month. Uh, if you're not subscribed to Gators Online, um, things are about to kick up uh, in a big way, which means less sleep for us, more coffee. That's right. That's right. Well, uh, no more coffee for Billy and his staff. And all the recruiting staffers, they uh, they officially get some time off. I'm sure the coaches will get away for a little bit too, and they will get to recharge before they're back at it for spring ball, as we will be as well. But until then, follow all of our coverage at Gators Online. You know, uh, Nick, 
that Corey and Keith are going to stay on top of all the recruiting stuff. And uh, you guys can start following Nick for his baseball coverage next week. Uh, I'll be in the O-Dome on Saturday for a sold-out matchup between uh, Todd Golden and Bruce Pearl. So uh, Auburn, Auburn with a steamrolling at Alabama last night uh, coming into Gainesville hot. Like we said, Zach, you got to win your home games. It's tough to win on the road in the SEC. Got to win your home games. I think they need five more wins. They get five more wins in the regular season, get to 20, 10 in conference. They should be in the tournament. So we'll see if they can get it done. We'll get it done next week for Nick Del Torre. I'm Zach Albaverde. We'll see you guys later. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.